Good evening and welcome to the Hourglass with Isabella. I'm here tonight with Daniel. Hello. And we're going to be discussing cults. So, interestingly enough, the other day I was actually like, hey, I don't know what kind of topics we should be doing. And previously we'd done an episode on aliens and people loved it so much. I asked people to throw out suggestions of, you know, what do you want to see from us for interesting topics? And cults was one that was thrown out there and I thought that is an interesting topic so tonight we'll be discussing various slightly more famous cults for not and the history behind that and some interesting facts very good so what is a cult to you what do you, what do you think a cult is so I think a cult personally this is my own personal definition versus the in fact there is a whole kind of online definition that you can right, get right. For it. are you in a cult I've seen there's it. actually in fact I have that list and we will be reading through that list in a little bit but for me personally what I define as a cult is usually a religious based group of people that requires specifically a charismatic leader who is usually more than not male interestingly enough uh, with some kind of megalomaniac ego complex and a desire to control other people and this can usually be done through scriptures or in some cases writing of their own but it also includes a sense of family so there's usually a group unit factor there and it's that them versus us mentality but there's also keyly isolation so that's where you take someone and you isolate them away from the friends and family if they don't believe in the scriptures or whatever it is within the cult and that is a key factor i think that separates it from other th- other religions for example well and as, and as i say right uh, all, all religion is is a successful cult yes so, i would agree that's <laughs> so successful cult. so at some point that it, it you know if, if you are able to keep it up long enough you know it it can go forward and become a religion um and I think most of the famous cases we know about cults are ones that ended that went, tragically. went bad. Went horribly Not wrong. the successful yeah. ones. Though we'll talk about, here's two example. you know, Scientology, undeniably a cult, but a successful one. Right, right? which makes it a religion. Whereas something like Jonestown, yes, less successful, but still labeled as a cult. So we'll actually talk about Jonestown first. Or so it was what, 19... 19- 78 something yeah, like that. Yeah, 1978 November 18th or 19th. I don't November 18th I want to say was the date of it specifically. And we know it because it's the classic that term, you know, the Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. They basically laced uh, the drink with potassium cyanide and then unfortunately most people stra- here's the strange part. Most people drank it willingly. However, in a very sad turn of things, there were little children who were given it unknowingly and they drank the poison and died. And Washington. then there were some people, even worse still, who were forced to drink it against their will, knowing that they didn't want to die. And, and the question there is, what goes on there? And we see this a lot in unsuccessful cults where it turns to suicide, mass murder, and sometimes strangely, willingly by the followers. So in the case of Jonestown, which was run by this chap called Jim Jones, strangely the cult itself was actually called the People's Agriculture Project. They set up a place specifically in Venezuela. And I was talking to Daniel about this earlier, but what's interesting about their location was it was an unclaimed 
piece of territory. And I think he specifically picked that so that they thought they were going to be left alone. So was it in Venezuela, but not in Venezuela? It was or? just in some... All I remember is it's an unclaimed mm. piece of territory, specifically, is what he went for, with an airstrip, because, you know, there was obviously the whole thing right. at the, the airport that had some issues with shooting and stuff, and that's what kind of triggered them into the mass suicide momentum. But you were telling me earlier about how some of the survivors have spoken about their stories in relation to how, like, surreal that is, right? Yeah, I mean, there were, like, a handful of people that didn't happen to be there that day or were up Interesting. Getting, See, I didn't know that. groceries or something. I don't know. But I've seen interviews with it, and it's uh, it's really fascinating. I think it's strange from the mentality kind of aspect of it, but you would worship some. There's this key aspect of worship here. These are... These are leaders who want to be worshipped like they are God's representative on earth. Very Pope-like, actually, in that respect. But they want that kind of adoration. A very successful cult. A very, very highly, pretty most successful cult of all time is the Catholic Church, actually. I actually went to a Catholic school growing up, but here nor there. I just think it's interesting the power that these things have over people. And very another very famous one is Heaven's Gate, yeah. which you've probably heard about. And I believe that took place in California. And it, they, they were all the strange thing about that. They also went down the Kool Aid route and poisoned themselves. I, th- I think what it is, a lot of these, they, they don't really set themselves up in a, in a sustainable structure. And so either they are making predictions that don't quite come true. Right, like it's going to be an end or, date, and then yeah. the end date doesn't come, and they question the authority of the leader. You know, you know, one of my one of my favorite stories just, and it, and it just happens to be cult related. In the in the 17th century, there was a. a a guy um, called Shabbatai Zevi, and he was he was declared to be the Messiah by by most large amount of the Hebrew population, and you know people people believed it just like you know they because they, they obviously didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and they believed that this guy was actually the Messiah, and okay. there was a guy who vouched for him named Nathan of Gaza who said yes this is absolutely the Messiah, and so at some point he's in like he's in Istanbul or Constantinople. And uh, and he gets captured, right? And and the, you know he's basically you know threatened to have his head chopped off because you know he's he's, he's sort of a rabble rouser and, and and causing trouble. And you know they're afraid. Everybody's afraid of the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they tell him that he can either uh, you know convert to Islam uh, or or die. And of course, all of his followers are expecting him to conquer the 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 uh, you know the Sultan mm-hmm. and 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 take over. But instead, he he actually does you know. Uh, convert to Islam, <laughs> leaving the entire uh, you know the entire Jewish population somewhat baffled as to what actually happened here because they were not expecting this whatsoever. The fascinating thing about the story, though, is that there are a, a number of his followers to this day who are outwardly uh, Muslim and internally secretly practice uh, Judaism. They're wow. called cryptic Jews. <laughs> I didn't know about <laughs> and that. And so this is a fascinating story about something that you know has become a religion and. You know, it, it obviously had its 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 strange beginnings, but I think most religions have their strange beginnings, and, and at some point you become a little uncomfortable with how it actually started. But kind of once it gets going, if it works for you and your family, 
you know, and nobody's dying and committing suicide, I think, you know, we can call it a religion and be comfortable right, if with If it's that. harmless stuff. And uh, Prince, I watched, interestingly, there's this documentary, watch it's a TV series on Netflix, and it's specifically about Waco. It actually just recently was released. I would highly suggest it if you have any interest in that kind of as a topic. And it, it gave, I, to be fair, I didn't know much about Waco going into it. I'm obviously from England. It's a very American I topic. I, I totally spoiled the show for her. I didn't know what was going to happen. I know what was going to happen, and I was just like, oh, yeah, this doesn't end well. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, don't, but I was like, the government's going to take care of it. They're trying to get the people out, and they're trying to save the kids and stuff. And he told me the ending before the ending, and I was like, whoa, no wonder it is a, such a hot topic in the United States. And it's actually a very relevant topic right now with the so many people feeling upset with the government and that yeah. it's not being taken care of correctly. And in fact, what I think is interesting about Waco and whether it's Jamestown or things, when somebody tries to like intrude on it is when those murders and things take place because it gets disrupted. But like all they wanted in case of Waco was just to be left alone. They were literally like, we're just studying our Bibles leave us alone but because they'd purchased all the weapons and the ammunition because right. they were afraid of the government that is what triggered that spiraling effect where it kind of ended up in the mass shooting and the hor pretty, horrific pretty ending questionable there. pretty questionable and, and i think it's fair to say that as a society we we don't really know how to deal with cults very well we don't have a good sense of of how to handle those situations any better Right. And and I think that because because what happens is that we're dealing with people that are perhaps not as rational as we would like to be assuming that they're going to be. Right. Especially like, if they're hyper religious. And, and I think that in that case, you know, for the Waco thing, I think the, the police probably assumed that these guys were going to give up at some point. Right. No, they and, were. And, I mean, strong and, set and, and, on it. Yeah. And, right. And clearly and clearly they were not. And and so I think the 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 police force sort of underestimated their the strength of their beliefs. And the it's, fact it's crazy how much of those deaths, though. And this, again, is relevant for tea and the use, in fact, in Denver of a protest, they recently just banned tear gas. But how much tear gas was used and how often, in fact, you can do the research online. I did it. Right. How many instances. Well, they, actually, in they actually go through it at the end of that flame. documentary as well. Yeah, how much, how much. Yeah, if you involved, it's highly flammable. So if you pump a building with tear gas, lo and behold, and it catches, anything catches yeah. light, everyone inside will die. And what terrible. was terrifying. That, that, that's more of a terrible tragedy. And, and to be honest, I think, you know, if... Uh, they had left them alone. I think. I think we'd all be pretty comfortable calling Branch Davidians a religion and and not having it fall into that cult category. I think what ended up happening was the sensationalism of it all made well, it, it become a cult. It was all on TV, wasn't it? Yeah, the whole it was thing. on TV, and and I think the you know we ended up calling it a cult, and people want to believe that it was somehow like a suicide cult, but. I don't think those people actually wanted to die, at least not then. Here's what terrified me, at least in the TV version, I had to check up to make sure it's real, was they had this kind of like safety vault in the basement and they made all the women and children, the kids, right, go down to thing, and they basically got trapped I think it was in actually there. like a freezer or a Yeah, it was some kind of storage like storage area. Yeah. And they all got trapped inside and they literally all suffocated to death from a smoke. How fucking tragic is That's that? Just like absolutely just terrible. It's absolutely awful. terrible. And uh, so, so yeah, so I think we don't we don't know how to handle cults, and and I think also you know in in the last you know f few decades, I, I think the term is thrown around 
pretty loosely, and you're like, well, it's a cult, you know. It's like, become very popularized too. So you'll get companies like Killstar, and they will sell because the the occult as well, not well, just cults. It's become an interesting, interesting, yeah, interesting uh, thing. Play on words, in, in, but itself, it's become yeah. very popular. So in some respects, in in the modern terminology, yeah. it's been used a lot for like a group of people who are kind of doing their fashion online and doing a different right. kind of role or like play my thing. life with the thrill kill cult yeah or, or bands like that exactly as well and we'll talk about let's talk about interesting cults because the other day we were discussing aliens yes we could and talk about yeah, that's actually what is, would give us some thought about this there is an alien cult and they're called Raelians yep and it's run by this chap called Rail. and in fact crazy part is kids I actually know this guy and have spoken to him a couple of times which is really interesting he used to be a a race, car driver. race car driver, but he was also a journalist for racing specifically, and his real name was Claude, Claude something, I forget the surname. But he basically one day was in France, and he went up on his hill, and the story goes, he believes, he saw a UFO coming down, an alien got out of the UFO, told him all this information, that only he had, and he wrote it, he wrote it all down, right? And then he proceeded to make a religion based around it. But what makes it closer to something like Scientology is their motto is, you know, science is our religion. Right. And, and they the actually they're actually very science. very cool people. I mean, when you look at their outward actions, for instance, you know, right, very they're, friendly they're, they're very, well. very friendly it's not people. Your stereotypical. They support sex workers. They they have organizations to help with uh, oh, yeah, so, you know, female genital mutilation. So and, yeah, so for those of you that don't know, in some parts of the world, including unfortunately even today in some parts of Africa, it is traditional uh, to mutilate and they call it women. female circumcision but, but female so may actually cut we might off as well just call it male, male mutilation as well so that basically <laughs> so that the woman can have no pleasure right. she's no longer allowed to experience that and it's a way for the husband to keep her in check so that she's not going to cheat right. or go so off they fight against herself. that uh, and they also they also have, uh, have have charities have a lot of interesting cloning and so they actually own so clone company they, they claim that they have cloned a baby you know, they they have a so lot very of science based. Yeah, a lot, very very a lot of science. Is, to there it. An, is there any truth to the cloning stuff? Well, it's not clear. Um, you know, it, yeah. Obviously, we, we now know that it's possible to do that, and and you know, if anybody was going to do it, it, it might be them. Um, you know, and they and they have they have scientists on their teams, but you know, at the end of the day, they you know have their own particular set of beliefs about you know the way that uh, you know, it, and it's actually a uh, a very Judeo Christian view of aliens, and. And and that's and that so it's it's actually sort of a you know try to, it, it kind of explains a lot of the ancient alien sort of stuff in that same concept. So I thought it was interesting that Raelians, they actually have a lot of place in pop culture. In fact, for many years at Burning Man, they actually had a camp at Burning Man, and it looked like a UFO saucer, and it was actually right by Center Camp. So they're very group. They're very kind of a lot more sexy based group. They'll yeah. have these retreats. They had one in Las Vegas. Uh, for for a long time, in fact, one of the women we knew up there, she was the one who would help run it. And the last I spoke to her, he was actually living in Japan. Interestingly, yeah. So yeah, that that's so, it. Yeah. So aliens, there you go. You've got your whole sexy alien cult over there that supports women's rights and stuff while still being very alienistic, which is <laughs> cool within its own within right, its own right. sense. Uh, but. As we know, there are other cults in the world, and I think we should discuss Scientology. Sure. So, Scientology, I think, is a really, really fascinating topic um, in that it actually began uh, by L. Ron Hubbard, as you know, who was a science fiction author. L.R.H. That's right. He was a science fiction author, and, you know, and he basically uh, wrote this book 
called Dianetics, and it was it was basically a sort of sort of like. You was know, this before or after he was writing fantasy space yeah, sci-fi time, novels? Same time. Okay. Same time. Yeah. He, he he was he was writing you know pulp pulp sci-fi from a from a very young age, and um, and and so anyway, it was basically a rejection of. Uh, psychiatry and and psychology and and the you know which were which were developing topics at the time you know Freud and, and Jung and all this sort of stuff and he basically came up with a another sort of working theory that has to do with uh, with engrams and the fact that you have these sort of stored memories and so the point is it started out as a ostensibly scientific endeavor hence the name Scientology um, and and they they developed technologies that they were playing with and, and and trying to learn stuff and and do therapies with and treatments with and then they got in trouble <laughs> by the FDA because they were basically promoting medical devices that were non-functional mm-hmm. or believed to be non-functional mm-hmm. and so only at that point when they were under under you know a lot of heat from the FDA did they actually declare themselves a religion and they said no no this is not a medical device it is a sacrament right it's just part of our religion and and that's actually how they that they became what you might call a cult or a religion as opposed to just being a uh, a scientific endeavor right super interesting they and definitely seem a lot le- less sexy than a lot of the other cults that you hear about out there and definitely more inclined to that whole concept of you know taking your money it's all about reading the books buying yeah, I, I think it's lessons. also it's a very it's a very modernist approach they sort of treat the brain as if it were a computer and, and how to and, fix and, it know, if and, it's and this was right around the time that computers started existing and i think i think that was sort of the the you know the working metaphor that they were going with was the fact that your brain is programmed and it can be unprogrammed and reprogrammed and and they use it now for better or worse to do you know what, what some people consider to be brainwashing, right? Other people just consider to be reprogramming. And so uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's One pretty concept interesting. I do disagree with Scientology is the concept of the silent buff, which right. is where they believe the woman has to be locked away in this room, basically gagged. She cannot scream or make any noise of pain or right. have any pain because relief you don't during, want, because you don't want to inflict, during childbirth. Uh, you don't want to inflict those, those, those horrors on the child. Is the idea so? But how would a child even hear you if you were screaming, giving birth to relieve yourself from pain? And it has been proven scientifically that women who swear or scream more actually have a higher pain tolerance. So it's part of dealing with the process. I think it's inhumane to make a woman go through that situation and experience that degree of pain and not even be able to cry out. That's a whole nother level. And and, and to be honest, there are a lot of other, um, you know, like there are. I think it's the Christian scientists that eschew modern medicine, and they don't—they don't believe in taking their kids to the hospital and stuff. Instead, they believe that you know you can heal things through prayer. And so, it's a—you know—your religious rights are, are an interesting thing when it when it starts intersecting with with health. What right? do you what do you think about Sea Org? So Sea Org was there was there like they had a yacht, right? And they would actually go out to sea, literally. Because Aaron Hubbard liked to be on a yacht. Because he liked to be on a yacht. Yep. And he, you know, every picture you see of him, he's got his cool captain's hat on. And uh, in my understanding is that it's sort of a cult within a cult, right? It was actually sort yep. of like the, you know, the, the high-end They had people. little uniforms and stuff. Yeah, they have uniforms. And, 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 and Mostly younger people, too, yeah, actually. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was sexy. 
I don't think so. Because there was a lot of hard, they would make do a lot of hard work and they'd have to clean the deck and do all these different chores and stuff. And the point was, if you ever messed up, then the punishments were severe. And just in Scientology in in general, that's one of the more negative press things is the tendency, at least from what we hear, that they lock people away and punish them in isolation to change their behavior or their mindset. So, So more recently... We watched that um, documentary on uh, Nexium. Do you remember that? That was actually going to be my next topic. Yeah. But I still want to finish up on Scientology. Okay. That's actually, funny enough, that's the next cult we're going to discuss because we're talking about more modern cults, yeah, yeah, in yeah. fact. But with Scientology, like you yourself have actually been to the Scientology Center. I have. I've been to the Celebrity Center in Los Angeles. I had a good friend what who, was was, it like? who was in Scientology. It's actually very cool. It's an old hotel. Um, and it, you know it's pretty pretty classy looking. They've got a weird recreation of L. Ron Hubbard's office in their in their lobby sort of thing. I did notice one and, thing when I was out in L. A. I could not believe the amount of real estate and buildings that they owned yeah. everywhere with Scientology. No, I mean, it, and it, and it makes sense. I mean, there, there's a lot to it. I mean, and, and particularly in the in the the world of, of self help and self actualization, I think I think they're. <laughs> As as a as a an old friend used to say, the tech works, and and the idea is that <laughs> that you know that, that that to some extent it actually does help you to sort of deal with whatever it is. So that did you've you got. take any of their? Did you? So take I never them? I never took any of their classes at all. They showed me some of the some of the auditing sessions, and then so what happened? Walk us through what happens when you go inside the building. Yeah, so they greet you. They're very friendly. Okay. Uh, you know, there's That's a good. tour, and then at the end of the tour, they make you watch this this movie. And so I'm in this like personal uh, movie theater. Like I mean, it's like a movie theater for like maybe like ten people or 20 people or something super high-end sound system you know cool. for the time and they show you this whole whole movie about Scientology and how it started and and they make some pretty valid points right they say things like you know we should uh, you know we say that we should judge a, a tree by its fruit right uh, you know Christianity has caused more death and suffering than any other religion in the world you know Scientology has caused nobody to die you know, and then they also talk about things like you know trying to help you, uh, you know, cure addiction, and this is one of the things that they. That, they focus okay, on. I will say that's one of the uh, few positive yeah. things I've heard. Is I've had a couple Absolutely. of friends who I will not name on here who have had yeah. either drug addictions or serious things like autism, and they took classes, and actually the classes were designed to help them better themselves in that respect. And strangely, for the people who were severely drug addicted, right. etc., did help them. That's a what the only yeah. thing I'll say. And then, and then at the yeah. end of the video. It, it gets it gets really intense, and there's a guy, and he says, you know, so you could just walk out of here today and, and ignore everything that we have to tell you. You could also just put a gun to your head, <laughs> pull okay. the trigger. That's <laughs> terrifying. Like, Whoa. It was like the ultimate hard sell. So this was in the early '90s, and and the sort of the, the reality of Scientology wasn't wasn't well known. This was also the time that the internet was coming out, and you know, and sort of and sort of coming into maturity, and. So after I went, I, I started doing research on this, and and I this found this was very early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found on Usenet, right? On it was alt.religion.scientology, right? And you could go and you could learn, and then there were like these secret files that you could go and download that some guy had stolen. So, ladies and gentlemen, like I knew when he first met me, this the background, the true deepest levels of Scientology were not known at this juncture, but Daniel did have yeah. access to this at I, the time, and I didn't know about it until the South Park episode came out. <laughs> so, let's talk about South Park now. So, so unbelievable. So, the, funny, the funny thing about South Park is that they actually got in trouble. Um, I bet for for uh, you know for this episode obviously and and the other interesting part well, of the I story, hear okay, it. So, chef chef yeah. was a Scientologist and he said guys we're not like yeah. that that's what he said that's what he, he said left over it. so he left over it and then and then they they weirdly mocked him for it by bringing him back and, like and just using voicing. clips of his yes, voice yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> 
hilarious. But anyway, the point is that that the actual so at um, whatever it is OT OT three I think it is OT five one of those things operating Thetan. Uh, We won't go into the details of it. Uh, But basically, you get you get this handwritten. Uh, you know, text by L. Ron Hubbard that you're supposed to read and believe. And it talks all about how the history of the universe is that there are these, you know, godlike creatures that imprisoned a bunch of souls, put them into volcanoes. Okay, but they and, were flying, flying in like 747s. Yeah, DC 10. DC 10, sorry. My dad will love <laughs> or that. DC 8 or whatever it is, yeah. DC 8, something, some plane. <laughs> some and particular dropping plane. Them over volcanoes. Yeah. yeah. And then they drop them over volcanoes. And then those those souls basically end up, you know, sort of developing into into life here, and and you have them to this day. They hang around in your body, right? And they're right? still there, and yeah. that's why with the whole auditing process. That's right. The idea is that you're trying to, and so yeah. So there's a there's an e meter, which is a which is this. It's basically a little just handheld a, a device. Has a little. It's actually two handhelds, two cans that you hold, okay. and then there's a meter in between. And all it's really measuring is skin resistance, but supposedly that measures a uh, an engram. A well, so as a NASA scientist, he can say it's actually yeah. just measuring skin resistance. Skin resistance, galvanic skin resistance, and they and they'll tell you that. Oh, I mean, they do. Okay, so, so the well, deal that's is. The, so the real question is, you know, what is it that you're measuring, right? And and they happen to believe because you are running a current through your body, and it is measuring resistance. And you know what they do is they've got this knob and this there's a needle and it, it's an analog needle. And you know the idea is that and, and really they're just measuring noise at this point. There's no reason to believe that there's anything else there. But it's noise, and the idea is that when the needle goes, it means that that you're triggering some sort of response. And so they have these rundowns where they'll ask you questions. And so so my friend, when he was with the guy I was visiting in LA when we were in college, he would tell me about this and that you know they would sit down and they would just get right in your face and start asking you about like really personal things and asking you about you know how often do you masturbate and do you ever think about really? these sort of things and what? In, in this sort of therapy kind of way. And it's not actually that usual in therapy there's a lot of confrontational ask type you therapies directly, out there do you masturbate? right so then so then what? you know afterwards i find out that i've got this whole 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 track rundown is what it's called right and it asks you questions like have you ever enslaved a civilization you know what <laughs> and it's like all these questions that are like Why? really intense like have you ever destroyed a planet what? <laughs> and how i think if you were in that yeah, situation truly well, from so, a psychological perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. you would be so shocked you might even answer differently and i heard later then that they take those answers and can use them as blackmail. They're recorded for later use. Well, so the other thing that's important to know is that you don't get to know this until you've already spent like $350,000 or something like that. $350,000? And then then you learn all this stuff and then what they talk about is this sort of, you know, psychotic break where you're just like, your reality is so messed up. You spend so much money, you'd have to believe it. Nothing up to that point has led you to believe anything that this is going to be about aliens. Nobody even, you know, nobody mentions it until all of a sudden, okay, you're OT5 or OT3 or whatever it is. You can now learn this secret information I will say you know my dad's actually he was friends with Tom Cruise yeah, and yeah, in yeah. fact Tom Cruise you know, is part of Scientology and he said every time they'd meet up and talk or go to lunch he would often be talking about Scientology like hey you should check this out you should join this trying to like urge well him yeah so, so part of the deal part with the celebrity center is that they actually treat celebrities really, really, really well. Yeah, they? So, maybe, and, we should, maybe we and should go. And their track is very different. I have heard that they have a great restaurant now with really good food. I bet, I bet. Yeah, maybe up some discourse we could go. What about tell me about the clam, the clam thing? The yeah, so, so part clams. of the part of the extension that you learn is that there are these things called genetic engrams, which are basically the same sort of memories of you know that are blocking you, but they're actually part of your genetics. And so the they're idea like tied into yeah, your body. Yeah. So yeah, so the idea is that. You know, if you go, it's and it's very much a strong evolution belief that we evolved from, you know, creatures that were in the, in, in the water, and then you know they're like in the tidal tidal pools, these clams, right? 
and that you still have hang-ups that are clam related you have hang-ups right? that are clam related that are clam related that have to do with the fact that sometimes you're in the sun and you're not getting enough air or not enough water right and you're suffocating effectively and then the water comes in and you feel comfortable and you're comfortable and you can open up but i had something if you move your hand in a specific <laughs> this is your way said. you're meant know. to like imitated but your mouth yeah, immediately something. just goes as a, a natural reaction open and closed right so he was doing this at this at the scientology center and they didn't understand when he explained it so well, this is what you have to do this is your religion and they all started opening and closing their mouths on command it was yeah, really it's, it's strange so that was actually one of the and they don't you don't see it that much anymore but one of the things that they used to do to recruit people was give you a personality test and you would be going okay. down the street and they would be like hey you want a free personality test That's cool yeah and yep. you know in the 80s people were really into free personality tests and it was a thing even now they, I mean, it, it's now now people, people are still love, into it. People love personality, love personality tests. tests. So, all, all, all day online, take this personality yeah, yeah, yeah. quiz. What's your what personality type? type? You? What's your zodiac? Your personality? Do people love that? It's it's something fundamentally ingrained into human yeah, culture. I think, I think people like. I mean, I think people want to know something about themselves, and and why, and I think it also allows you to feel like you're like other people. Or I guess. Not like I guess. I guess we'll leave it on this because. But here's the fundamental thing with Scientology. I think originally it was a, a group that had a lot of secrets in it, as we know high-level stuff and as time has gone on with the internet and the discovering of information the, Im- the information is now just available to be fair for anyone to see or to research right and because of the documentaries like going clear as an example uh a lot of the things that were bad with the system have now been outed such a, r- as a really interesting thing away. about it is that they actually are very uh very uh concerned about protecting all this information in fact they have an entire legal company that that is devoted towards protecting their, right, their, they sue their a lot of and people. rather than rather than suing them on religious works, it's all about trademark infringement and copyright, and that's what it is. And it's called like the uh, something about Religious Technology Institute or something like that. Right. And and also as part of this, just as a, a weird aside, um, they they bought a, a ranch, a, a large plot of land down in New Mexico, and they have underground caves that are like like lead lined, and they have wow, they have okay. Elrond Hubbard's works like engraved in titanium or something. Wow, like that's that. kind of cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Okay, so all of this aside, so now you know all the things, all the stories, all the hidden knowledge is now available for anyone to learn about. All the secrets are no longer secret. Kind of oh, makes it less. Elrond Elrond Hubbard, right? This is where I'm getting to. Elrond Hubbard has died and was replaced by a. What's his name? Jeffrey Mishlove. Right. Something. Some someone replaced him anyway, and is now running it or whatnot. So the question is: now that all these things have been exposed and the poor treatment of people and hiding them away and beating them up and doing all these control tactics and sending people to film people to try and intimidate them out of whatever it is they're doing that bothers them, do you think? Now that it's all public knowledge and available, as you're right, it's becoming less culty. Will they change their ways and so maybe change the tactics? So supposedly, uh, L. Ron Hubbard has written sort of the next set of instructions. Really? And and okay. they're waiting for a certain milestone of, of you know... To get there? To, yeah, to get there, to release them, and they're going to make a big deal about it. Curious, um, okay. You know, so I, I think it's still, it's obviously, you've, you've been to Hollywood, you see that it's still a thing. I think... Well, no, I think it's, it's not just Hollywood. I, they that's have right. places everywhere I, I in think the world, even in London. I, I think, surprisingly, they have they have sort of, you know, withstood this, this you know, flood of, of information and disclosure and... and 
and and somehow they still exist they're and, still they, and, they're, and they're still helpful and, and, and maybe it's because the, tech should, works. The, the lesson here is you should buy property and the best Elron Hubbard cult quote is you know if you want to make a lot of money start a cult so maybe there's something sorry, to religion, that. but yes. sorry religion sorry religion cult intertwining now but let's let's move along now we'll, we'll leave Scientology alone now and, and move along to the future more modern cults Nexium which is what you'd brought up for and yeah, I rudely yeah, yeah. interrupted you so, so it's actually largely, I think, the the same sort of um, the same the same sort of vein that Scientology actually started in, like this idea of of, of self help and and the idea that you would pay money to go to classes and you know and, and develop these skills and abilities that help you to you know do very very your very will. landmark forum, which could also be arguably a <laughs> we cult. Could, yeah, we could, but we, we could won't get that. into that. We should yeah. actually invite somebody on to interview about that. Yeah, we, we, we should. Know, we know lots of we know lots of our friends who love and adore that program. But, going but back I think to I think where they got in trouble. Uh, Nexium got in trouble was not from their sort of outward uh, things, but they got uh, in trouble for branding girls. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, so apparently there, there was like with again this cult within the cult sort of thing. They, you know, they there was they there was like this, these girls and they went and they branded them with the with the founders initials or something. And he wasn't even there apparently. What? He, was yeah, he wasn't actually even there, which is that. why it's this weird sort of thing. And it, it doesn't—it didn't appear to be like a, a sex thing, but at the same time, it was definitely a sex you know, thing. But but not with him, I don't think. Except they were actually called I, like sex slaves. Yeah, right? yeah, but I don't think. But it was—it was yes, it was definitely a, you know, giving up of your will, and the branding was to signify your loyalty. Um, to the but apparently right. he wasn't actually there in the room. That makes it a lot less sexy to me. Right, like, exactly. No, I agree. It, it's, I don't, I don't, it's, a, it's one that's non-consensual, I believe, right? They didn't consent to no, it. No, it was consensual. That's, it was that, consensual. That's the interesting thing about the whole thing. It was definitely consensual. And what happened is that after the fact, you know, the some of the participants rescinded their consent. That they said, were like, well, yeah, that was, this that was, was too really much. uncomfortable. Yeah. They branded me. Which kind of borders on non-consent still to me. For sure, for sure. Uh, but the point is that they, it wasn't... Because this is, this is not like Story of O. It's like they took some... No, that's right. And, and you know, well, it's people... And it we, might be like Story of O, well, we don't know. Well, his <laughs> thing is we're like in the BDSM community and the main thing is consent is key with anything. For sure. I feel like it's something where someone took those fantasies of BDSM and then warped them to manipulate young women I, and I to mean, coerce them into... I mean, I, I know what you're going with. I just, I don't know... I, I think they were into it, is what I'm saying. I think. I okay, think, but here's the thing: if you actually, I disagree because if you actually watch the documentary, a lot said yeah. not only were they not into it, they were scared and just went along with it because they felt they had to. And that's a true fact. You can look no, at no, the no, documentary. No, 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 that is true. That, is true. that so is true. So they felt coerced. But, but they into actually it. asked them. It's you like know, peer pressure. Do you want to leave? Well, no. Okay, here's the thing: imagine you're with your friends and they're like, "Hey, you need to get this tattoo because yeah. we all have this tattoo and you need it too. And if you don't get the tattoo, you're not a part of us. You're not a part of right, family. Right, right. And if you want to show your commitment, you need to put out the effort, right? Yeah. Then you would feel like, oh shit, like peer pressure. I, 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 I will say this. this: if it was, if it was some sort of. BDSM thing. It was. It was definitely on the lame side of it. It was like in some suburban house or something. It wasn't in a castle or anything. Cool but didn't like they have all the money? You definitely think it would be in a you castle. You think so? But money. I don't. I don't think it was. Well, let's move into. Let's do. Nexium bores me. I don't like it. I think it's like no, a very it's, nasty. It, it, it turns out to be. It was much, much lamer than these salacious headlines. Right. It's really. It's really not like. It's not. Yeah. Because the non-consent thing. It's just like that's a to me a definition of a bad, horrible cult that needs to definitely not exist well it doesn't exist anymore so oh it's good it's gone great good to know and hopefully people went to jail involved I think they did yeah good awesome and apparently there's some woman who's a famous actress 
who was in it. Who was in it? Yeah. Well, because I think the whole thing, like much like the whole landmark forum thing, is they're going for this angle of like empowerment and yeah. will. It's all about intelligence and work ethic and stuff, which I can see it being appealing to a lot of women in our generation who do feel lost because we grow up and it's like, well, you've got to be a breadwinner, you've got to do this amount, so we go out in the world and we have to break break that glass ceiling and do our own thing. But sometimes, like I think people can take advantage of that, and I think that's what happened with Nexium is that guy took advantage of those women who were career driven and wanted to do well and knew that he could use it to his own but you, advantage. But you see these things all the time. You see all these like billboards and stuff about you know like uh, inspirational speakers that are coming to town and they and they talk about how you could become rich and and they because and, people and, want to know how to yeah, do that. No, I think, I think the right. difference his his critical the answer is become an inspirational speaker. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the critical difference with the cult is where you start to take those young women or men of, or anyone of anyone, any gender yeah. or age that matter into your fold and you are using your ego to manipulate to control to isolate to take financial gain from these people for your own end ultimately for, for negative consequence where you don't actually care it's not like a family situation like you have some communities where it is about empowerment and care this is not the situation in bad evil cults they, the, the leader couldn't care less about the people under them right. it's about what can I get out of you how much money and income do you have to feed my lifestyle right that is the difference there so we'll move along from Nexium and we're going to go in we're still in the realm of like more sexual related cults we're going to go into the OTO uh-huh. which is good because I'm a big Alistair Crowley I could Crowley as we call me England Crowley but I have a parrot called Crowley after the song that's right so uh, Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne made a song Mr. Crowley and I took that rendition for Crowley's name but it's right. still after Alistair so this is an occult cult this is an occult cult and in fact, didn't he? He ended up leaving OTO, right, and started AA. It's a different, different organization. Is that true? Yeah. So AA is different from OTO. They're entirely separate yeah. organizations. And so the OTO, I think, the defining difference was in the end he actually uh, left OTO. He had yeah. formed it and everything, and it still runs to this day. There are still they call the smaller groups an oasis. Right, and I actually know several friends who are in the OTO, in fact, interestingly enough. I'm a big fan of the occult, as many of you know out there, and the esoteric in general. I think it's a fascinating topic. What I really like about the OTO is, you know, growing up, you hear a lot about these secret organizations. There's a lot of fraternities in America, right? You get your fraternities. I'm not talking about the sorority, fraternity, college thing. I'm talking about things like the Masons, right? The Freemasons. Right. Secret societies. Cool, cool secret societies that only guys get to be a part of. So I was like, well... That sucks. There's nothing for me, like as an intellect, if I wanted there to go actually, be there's actually a female part of parallel the, to yeah. There's Golden Masons. Dawn, right? So I will get into that. But growing up, like I was like, well, there's no cool secret society for me to be a part of because I'm a woman, and all my friends who are Freemasons are like, yeah, it's super cool, and we have Masonic lodges that we go to, but you can't come. And I was like, well, uh, okay, that's sad. But what I liked about the OTO is it's still that very secret order, but they actually allow both men and women which is actually in some respects very progressive and they do have and I won't go into too much detail but they do have really sexy kind of rituals that are completely consensual so should we, should we talk about uh, Strange Angel a bit yeah let's talk about Jack Parsons <laughs> yeah so let's get this is another this. one of those things along with Catch Scientology hot, hot that was, under the it was sort of my you know standby you know uh, you know drunken you know 
And um, before we get into this, can I just say that Daniel, I love the fact that he's like this NASA scientist and Jack Parsons was the guy who formed the Jet Propulsion Laboratory as as we know That's it right. today. Right. And is really the father of rocketry he's and training that. Yeah, he's the chemist behind he's, it He's the father of it, yeah. really. And uh, in fact, to the point where they would call it Jack Parsons Laboratory. Yeah, Jack as, Parsons as a, as a Laboratory. But a lot of so people tell, believe tell in him. story all the time and, yeah. and nobody would ever believe me. And then they finally... It's a real story. They, they, made, a, they made a television show based finally, on a book for it. Strange Angel. Called Strange Angel. And it, and it basically is about Jack Jack Parsons um, and his struggles to to get JPL off the ground, but then also it's his amazing. relationship with the OTO and his and wife Alistair and his Crowley. second wife and all this stuff. Yeah, and so they had they had two really great seasons of this show. It's a fantastic show. I recommend it. Um, and then and I was very excited because the punchline of this entire story, right, is that uh, Jack Parsons is going to do this uh, this sex ritual to to bring about the uh, the, the moon, moon child, child, right? The moon child, and, yeah. Uh, and and so and so he finds this guy to be his his scribe, I guess you would call it, um, to help him with the ritual as he's going to be having sex with this red haired woman uh, that he found. Well, as and we know, Crowley was very into a scarlet woman. Yeah, scarlet woman. He really that's liked right, that. They're going to have woman. a red hair in it. Babylon. Very devilish. Babylonian women. That's right. Well, no. So anyway, so so the, the way the story goes is that you know they do this ritual and then um, the guy who is the scribe ends up you know running away with Jack Parsons. Uh, wife or girlfriend or something like this mm-hmm. um and so that guy who is a scribe actually is actually is, the wife of is, jack parsons yeah, is, he is, ran off is, with. well no jack parsons wife soon. runs off with the uh yeah the guy with the who's OTO the, guy. the freighter right right but this guy the the Which guy who's the scribe love? runs away with his next girlfriend oh his second girlfriend who's the, the sister the of sister. the wife That's actually right. yeah and so anyway the point is the scribe is actually l ron hubbard who then goes on to start Scientology, and so I'm I'm very excited okay, about but this. Okay, here's the best part of this story, though. So if you think about it right chronologically, is and I love the relation in in history of famous people. Like I love knowing that Lord Byron knew Shelley, right? Yeah. That's a and they and all Mary and Mary Shelley and even and the guy who who wrote the original yeah. vampire story. Yeah, they they all knew each other and they hung out together. Imagine knowing those people in your time. What what makes Jack Parsons so particularly special is that likewise he knew these people. So he actually knew Alistair Crowley, and By they writing. were in communication and writing exactly. But it was in that time frame where they overlapped. And then likewise he met L. Ron Hubbard and and the fact that Holy Trinity of the three of those very interesting individuals who all had their own yeah, power super fascinating. It, it, but they overlapped is is i can't believe that's coincidental right. i believe everything happens for reason that happened and i love the fact that yes l ron hubbard he is his trickster right and he's a science fiction writer and all this stuff he comes in and he seduces jack Parsons. He, in fact he convinces them to give him the keys of the house for ownership of the property and everything which jack Parsons, because he was a really nice guy he owned this place called the parsonage in california it's still around today i'd love to to own it someday <laughs> but he basically gives away all the property rights and everything to L. Ron Hubbard and L. Ron Hubbard basically very easily seduces because he is a bit of a trickster seduces the girlfriend away from Jack Parsons and they take all of the property and just sail off together on a boat that's a true story that's right it's a great so, story yeah, continue with your it's a great story yeah, it's a great story yes so anyway the the the, uh, the other part of the um, of the story is that the woman the, uh, the 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 Scarlet Woman, mm-hmm. right? Her name is uh, what was her name? Her name was uh, Marjorie Cameron. Is her name? And so, oh, that part of a movie. Yeah. So several years okay, later, yeah, yeah. She's, she ends up in this movie, in this film, a very this famous art movie. film by Kenneth Anger called Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome. And I very became sexy. I became aware of this film 
long before anything, um, I was I, I once upon a time made a jazz film with my friend, and and it was on VHS tape. And so one day in the mail, this VHS tape shows up with our weird little film, and then an alteration of the Pleasure Dome. Lovely. You know, and so I had this on VHS, and it's an amazing film. It's an amazing film, totally occult, and uh, and really, really, really epic. Anyway, Marjorie Cameron is is the woman in the film. Um, also, it has like strange guest stars like Anais Nin. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's, amazing. So it's yeah, pretty crazy. pretty weird. But my favorite, favorite part of the story is that 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 54 movie is actually set to some Hungarian uh, orchestral soundtrack. It's yes. really epic. Yes. It is just epic, epic orchestral music. In the 70s, in the mid-70s, Kenneth Anger decided somehow that, in fact, the true soundtrack to his, his art film, this occult art film, was actually ELO's El Dorado. And so there is a version of this film that gets released in, this, in the mid '70s that has El Dorado as 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 the, the the soundtrack for it, like the entire album, the entire album except for one song. That's and it fantastic. is it is just it is bizarre. It is beyond that's bizarrely bizarre. beautiful. It is, it and is. that's a synchronicity. No, no, it's it's, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, and it's a great album, also. Yellow El Dorado, check it out. Too, per- too perfect in some respects. So yeah, I, and in fact, there's some. So we'll go. I like to discuss the darker parts of cults. So, you know, we talk about controversy. I think the only real controversy, you know, beyond the fact that as England said, Alistair Crowley is the most wicked man in all the world. Beyond all of that, was that there was actually a, a very famous girl in England called Peaches, and famously she got a tattoo on her arm. And OTO is actually a very private thing, so most people who are actually a part of it won't discuss it, and it's a very private part of her life. But she actually had tattooed OTO on her arm, which got it into the Sun newspaper, and the British press grabbed it. He's back. It. <laughs> ah, yes, he's back. The most wicked man in all the world has returned. Right? Wasn't that the premise of that movie that we watched? Yeah, we watched some great We watched some movie, movie where, yeah. where somehow he, he had come back. Well, you heard recently, well, unfortunately, His he house, had the, yeah. the property in Scotland, unfortunately, arsonry. Right. That really pissed me off. In fact, the people, great people bought the property because they were going to make it a lodge and do this stuff, which is really cool for the history of magic and esoteric stuff. Really cool. Right. Unfortunately, it was burnt down again after it was didn't already Jimmy, pretty bad shape. did Jimmy Page also own that house? Did he? Yeah. I believe maybe he... Maybe I, think, I, I think don't, so. I don't Led know Zeppelin Jimmy Page also own that house? It's very... Up in Scotland? Very possible. Yeah. It's super very cool. Possible. Super cool. And, and you know, the sad thing is. Well, there's actually other property in Spain, which someone had also brought in. It's full of the graffiti and they've oh, like scat yeah, yeah, yeah. on the wall and really dark things in Baldrena Chapa died. I think there is, I mean, at least certainly when I was growing up in the, in the 80s, there, there was definitely this sort of darkness associated with cults and, and occult. And, you know, people yeah. were worried that like Dungeons and Dragons was a, was a cult sort of thing. You must let me finish my Peaches story. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. So not, but not the singer Peaches. The teachers of Peaches. Different Peaches. Different so Peaches. She was the, yeah, okay, she, so she she's the one who has the OT on the arm. And unfortunately, she died. She overdosed. Oh. And a lot of people, like on the press in England, they relate to, oh, she was part of a sex cult and this and that, versus the fact that she actually legitimately had a problem, unfortunately, yeah. and had passed away there, which is actually a very sad story. But we, all, all of that stuff aside, I'm actually a very, of all the cults out there and all the things and some of the evil negative things that occur there, I actually think OTO is one of the more interesting ones out there. Do you think it counts as a cult, or is it is it just a religion? It's so private. Well, here's the thing: is they're so private about it. It's definitely more on the religion side. But if you look online, I and mean, we will talk about. I mean, is cults there is there things. currently a charismatic leader? 
of OTO? Well, they actually have, well, I'm actually not going to go into too much, they have different, so they actually have these whole like meetings in different parts of the United States and stuff, and as I say, they have the Oasis, which is the little groups. In fact, we have one here in Colorado, and you've met some of the people, mm-hmm. interestingly, and they do their, you know, their masses and stuff that they do in their own way, but they're still very private. It's not that kind of, they, they never actively recruit people, they're never like, hey, join our cult right. and do this thing. So do you think they're it counts as a cult, and I think maybe yeah. it's just a religion? A darker religion. Okay. An occult religion. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But like I said, all religions started as cults. I mean, Christianity started out as a cult, wholesale, right? It was well, a, tell it me, was what, a cult. What do you and, think is. And that's why, that's why they, they, I mean, let's even go back further than that. Judaism began as a cult, right? In, in, in ancient Egypt, right? It was, you know, the, these, these Jews living there, right? And, and they, and they, you know, started believing their own things. So I will say in ancient Egypt, Elizabeth, it was a very positive thing. You'd have like the cult of Amun. Right, right, right. And you'd have these handmaids and they would go and do great. I'm not even so sexy. I'm not even going to go a different episode it. entirely. Different, ancient Egypt can be its absolute own wonderful people. <laughs> and you know what I realized? I just looked at the time. And we're actually at 46 minutes. There's wow, this one... has been a very compelling episode. Yeah, I don't know if this will stop recording or not. Hopefully not. There's one last thing I want to list. Was that... I think you said it was an hour, right? Yeah, so there's... That I wanted to read out the list of characteristics of cults. How you know you're in a cult. Yeah, so let me pull that up really quick here. Okay, so I have it here. Characteristics associated with cults. The group displays an excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader, whether he is alive or dead, which I think is or very she, interesting. But mostly he. But in this literacy, to most most yeah, part, yeah. Fair, I can think of very few examples. I'm sure there are some. We get something about the male, the energy there that attracts it traditionally to cults. Regards his belief system, ideologies, and practices as truth and as law. Questioning doubt and dissent are discouraged and oftentimes even punished. Mind-altering practices such as meditation, chanting, speaking in tongues, denunciation sessions, or debilitating work routines, right? Like we talked about that with Scientology, that you need to work and do this physical labor, are used in excess to serve a purpose to suppress doubts about the group and its leaders. They don't be thinking too much about the problem. Three. The leadership dictates, sometimes in great detail, how members should think, act, and feel. As an example, members must get permission to date someone, change jobs, or to marry. And we didn't touch this, but we should have talked about polyamory within that. And Mormonism, actually, as well, is its own topic within that. All leaders prescribe what to wear, where to live, whether to have children, how to discipline said children, and so forth. The group is elitist, claiming a special, exalted status for itself amongst others. Its leaders and its members, examples, the leader is considered a messiah, or a special being, or some kind of avatar, or the group and or leader is on a special mission to save humanity itself. The group has a polarized us versus them mentality, which may actually cause conflict within wider society and other people's beliefs. The leader is not accountable to any physical authorities, unlike, for example, teachers or military commanders, ministers, priests, monks, rabbis, or mainstream religious denominations. 
The group teaches or implies that its supposedly exalted ends justify whatever means it deems necessary. This may result in members participating in behaviors or activities they would have considered reprehensible or unethical before joining that group. As an example, lying to your family, lying to your friends, or collecting money for charities that are not real. The leadership induces feelings of shame and or guilt in order to influence and control its members. If you do not do what they say, you will often be excommunicated from a group and removed from your friends and family. This is often done through peer pressure and subtle forms of persuasion. Subservience to the leader of that group requires members to cut ties often with all family and friends who do not believe in religious system and radically alter the personal goals and activities they had before joining that group. The group is preoccupied with recruiting or bringing in new members, which I think is interesting that you're right when you talk about OTO, that's the opposite of that. They're not about recruitment, whereas Scientology is like recruit, recruit, recruit. The group, I said that one of the members, are expected to devote an inordinate amount of time to the group and group-related activities specifically. Members are encouraged to require to live and or socialize only with other group members alone. The most loyal members, who are known as often the true believers, feel there can be no life whatsoever outside the context of the group. They believe there is no other way to be and they often fear reprisals to themselves or others if they leave or even consider leaving that group. So that's the list. So if you or someone you know... Yeah, so here's what you do. So here's the answer. Let's say I read that to you, and you're actually sitting there at home, and you're like, hey, some of those things on that list resonates to me, and that makes sense to me. What would you? What advice would you give them, Daniel? What could they do? Where do they even go for help? Right. For I mean, there, there are there are support groups for it, for sure. See, I don't, what is that? Yeah, do I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have that information. I, I've... I've I've seen them, I think. Well, you keep talking, and I'm going to see if there right, is. Right, there probably is. But at the same time, I think the important thing is to, you know, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to people outside of the organization that, uh, you know, can give you a... give you Because the problem is that, you know, a lot of those things could be could be attributed to things like the military or the Catholic Church or, you know, just an unhealthy family dynamic, right? Right, here we go. I've got, I've got the research. If it does happen, you happen to be listening to this and you're like, well, I'm in a cult, help. There's actually a website called cultescape.com and they have a list of resources and numbers that you can ring to help you. And it literally says, I've left a religious cult. Can anyone help me? So if you happen to, if you're a cult survivor or whatnot, and you happen to be listening to this random podcast we're doing and you need some help, go to that website again, cultescape.com, and in fact, forward slash help. And hopefully that helps you a little bit. Because I think the hardest thing I've, at least from people I've spoken to who have left cults, is surviving after it. Because what happens after that excommunication period is that they then become isolated from their family or friends often, and they feel alone. And they don't know what to do at that point because it feels like, hey, I was in this religious group and I loved these people, that's the end of the world and it's done. Right. Right. How do you start your life over? And the real answer is you can absolutely start your life over. There are so many people out there who are willing to supply a support network and help you. Yeah, as process. an interesting postscript to the story, I, I have uh, talked to my friend who was in Scientology. Yeah, tell us about um, that. And and it's interesting because when I when I spoke to him, well, what uh, happened? To many him? many years ago. He, well, he was in he was in it for a while, and then he and then he got out of it. And 
And one of the things that he told me was that he still sort of, he, he still believed in it. He and just felt that some of the people were, were doing it wrong. Did he lose and, his and family over it or anything like no, that? I, I, no, I know. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't have a family. He lost lots of money and, and certainly okay. a, a large, large amount of his 20s. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I think, and you know, I, I will say this about him as well that, that I, has always fascinated me, is that uh, he was he was a guy that I went to high school with and went to college with. We wow, lived on the so same floor. Friend. We had exactly the same degree for Michigan. So, uh, so he was a inte- very intelligent Very intelligent guy. Too. guy very intelligent guy and again basically the same background that i have you know and uh and and just kind of got sucked i think there's, the I think there's an underlying thing here no. i'll say real quick and you can yeah, totally yeah, yeah. finish up right after this but i think there's an underlying thing here that i've noticed it doesn't it the cult thing it doesn't matter about your level of intelligence or your anything what shares one thing in common with everyone who gets involved in it is that they're looking for some kind of sense of belonging or family and that's how they end up in that system because they just want something they feel like they're missing it and it gives them a sense of acceptance yeah I, i mean i think that's true i think it also attracts people that are intelligent and are looking for answers yeah. You know, and we can we can have a whole other episode whole, on yeah. uh, on conspiracy theories. Yeah, but um, finish up your but, things. But but the point is that I think that it it, it doesn't it, it doesn't judge. I wouldn't judge you based on the fact that you you know got involved in a cult. I think it's a it's a very you know persuasive sort of thing. You know, and mm-hmm. and and yeah, and it's 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 obviously filling some need, and it's a need I think that modern society has because we've sort of given up on religion you know Nietzsche is famous for saying God is dead right and we've replaced it with science and people there leaves this sort of void that normally they could just go to church and church would tell them what the answers are that's not really there anymore and so I think all these things crop up I mean we can have a whole other episode on all the various religions that propped up in the Victorian era uh, because of the fact that you know that because of the fact that mainstream religion sort of went away spiritualism yeah spiritualism that'd be a great episode but anyway the point is, I, I think there is a very human need to, uh, to, 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 you know, to be part of something. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to join us tonight. On this double episode. We ran over our time. We're almost at 60 minutes. Usually we do 30 minutes episode, but I do believe this topic was valid enough that it needed to be explored and discussed and it's interesting enough that it merits its own 60 minute episode yeah no i think it was really great yeah okay so without further ado i wish you all and bid you all a good night